Good morning. It's Tuesday, May 3rd. We are here together because it is the launch of our book. Now what? And also because the Supreme Court decided to blow up everybody's lives last night. For those of you who have not heard, there was a leaked opinion voted on in February to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, it was written by Samuel Alito. I didn't need another reason to hate Samuel Alito, but here we are. Um, joined by Gorsuch, Amy Coney Barrett, and Kavanaugh, dissents Kagan, Breyer, and Sotomayor. No word from John Roberts. The reporting is that he wants to uphold the Mississippi law that's a ban on 15 weeks and leave Roe v. Wade in place. Um, but this is the, the reporting this morning. And, you know, now what? Now what? And we don't know whether there will be one dissent, multiple dissents, multiple concur. I mean, there's so much we don't know here. And I think that, that it's probably in quite a bit of flux. I haven't made it all the way through this very lengthy opinion from Alito yet. If this is the opinion of the majority of the court, I am depressed not only about the outcome, but also about the process, because I think there's a lot in this opinion that's pretty reductive of the issues and reductive of um, what courts have been trying to do since Roe, uh, which is say that this is hard and to try to figure out a path forward when legislator when legislatures have approached this issue in such a reductive way too, right? I think, I think we all know, and the vast majority of the country shows this in poll after poll, we all know that there are some circumstances where most people are uncomfortable with an abortion, but there are many more circumstances where most people believe that a safe, effective abortion ought to be available um, without a court getting involved. For those of you who don't know, I worked at Planned Parenthood Central North Carolina. That was my first job out of college. Um, I ran the emergency contraception hotline. And when I worked there, my boss, Karen, used to say, who, who she had been there since Roe had come down. She said, if a woman doesn't want to have a baby, she's not going to have the baby. Um, and I'm reminding myself that, you know, the, the things that were true yesterday are true today. In many parts of the country, abortions are easy to get. And whatever the court decides, they're going to remain easy to get. And in many parts of the country, abortions were impossible to get. And that's going to remain true. Um, and I'm also trying to remind myself that as devastating as, the, as this is, I don't know. I can't tell the future. And I know enough to know that forecasting just devastation, forecasting only bad outcomes from something as big and huge as this is usually not right. Um, it will upend things in ways we cannot predict. And some of them might be good. Uh, I don't think anybody, even the most passionate reproductive rights advocate, for example, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, will tell you that Roe was a great decision because it left women in a precarious position where they have remained since the decision. Um, so, you know, I think that I think we don't know. I mean, I think when you say now what, I don't want to operate from a place of devastation and all is lost because I don't think that is a place where you create change or hope or, you know, impact people's lives. And so I'm trying, you know, especially because this isn't a huge surprise. I loved Rebecca Traster Street where she was like, logically, I knew this was right. Like this, or sorry, not logically that I knew this was right. Logically, I knew this was coming. 
intellectually, I understood, like, I'm not surprised and yet my teeth can't stop chattering, right? Like it will impact people negatively. Some women will most likely lose their lives if they overturn this law. Um, and that is heartbreaking. And I think the, the abandonment people feel, um, I had a friend say, abortion saved my life twice. And so if you wake up today and you know that to be true and now you feel abandoned and you feel like your country is turning its back on you, like there's not, there's no way to fix that. Like that is just the reality of how so many people are going to feel right now. And I think there's the, the, and this has always been true of the abortion debate. There's this, this, how people feel people's personal experience on this incredibly, incredibly fraught topic and issue, then there's like this court and this like pedantic bullshit logic Alito puts out. So like, this is, of course, I mean, you forced our hand. This is what we have to do. It's so ridiculous. And then there's the laws at both the national level and the state level and how those break down. Like, you know, it's a big complicated mess and, you know, this will make it worse in the short term, but maybe in the long term you know, something that tells us what we've always known, which were reproductive rights, we're not assured in the way that we believe them to be, um, could change things in ways we can't anticipate. I think it's definitely true that we don't know what all of the ripple effects of this will be. I was thinking this morning about all these pieces that I've read lately about how um, young people are pretty disinterested in sex compared to previous generations. Um, who, who, who knows where that goes, but I think that undoubtedly losing access, assured access to abortion, um, will accelerate that trend. I think it will accelerate the trend of, uh, people's willingness to help each other. You know, you've already seen in states that have passed really, um, restrictive abortion laws, the sense of we will help you get to a place where you can have an abortion legally. We, we will make this happen for you. If I were a minister today, I know what I would mm -hmm. be working on, you know, mm -hmm. the, the ways that we can help each other. Um, I think a lot of, I think a lot of uh, kindness and generosity will follow in the wake mm -hmm. of this. Um, that said, I think that the other side of it is also true that the continued slide of the legitimacy of the Supreme Court will be very yeah. detrimental to our country in, in ways that are unpredictable, uh, in ways that are predictable, but in ways that are unpredictable as well. Uh, I don't see how Justice Roberts doesn't make a statement. To, he needs to say something today about this. Um, and I don't know that he will, because I think we have seen over the past five years, this sense that uh, everyone just wants to believe that the center holds on its own. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not holding, right? Um, so, so I am, I am concerned. I am sad. I am uh, on empathy overload for all the people who are just hurting as a result of this. I think that if I were to say, here's, here's now what today, like, here's what we do in our individual lives when we have no control over what the Supreme Court does next. Um, I want us to 
continue doing what we've been talking about doing on abortion forever, which is not agreeing to disagree in our families, but really working through this. I think it's a a moment to sit down with people, especially people who have said, well, I'm pro-life for years and that's the most important issue to me. And that's how I vote. Okay. Well, like what, what do you desire to happen now? What do you desire for people who find themselves in this situation? Um, I think if you are a man whose life has been profoundly impacted by abortion, this would be a really good time to tell your story because the, the burden of continuing to put these abortion saved my life stories on women uh, feels particularly cruel to me right now. Uh, I just, I think the, the work in our families and our homes and our organizations is going to be critical, especially if this truly is left to the states. Um, you know, Kentucky is going to put a, a constitutional amendment out there soon on whether there's a right under our constitution to an abortion. So like working on your people and how we all vote very, very soon is, is going to matter a lot. Well, and I think the part that is really hard to think about is as we, you know, talk about polarization and we talk about, do we want to continue together as Americans? You know, the Supreme Court, I think, is talk about clueless and just reductive past the point of insight. The idea that Lisa would like ease the pressure on this political polarization by like just giving it back to the states. No, this will this will divide us up into camps. Like then the states are going to be fighting about, well, I don't want you passing into California's borders. I want to control my citizens in Idaho and prevent them from going to California. I'm in Indiana and I want to prevent them from going to Illinois. Like, and the idea that like you're removing the courts from this controversy, are you mad? Are you mad? Like you're going to have a million different states conflicts and then you're going to decide, have to decide how that plays out. Like, well, who, who gets to decide? Because they're already passing laws trying to control their citizens from going in their states? Or what about the federal right to medication? Like, oh, now they can't get medication shipped from another state or another country? Like, you guys, come on, come on. Like the complexity involved in this situation and the thing that you're gonna reduce it and, and punt it to somewhere else is just, again, did not need another reason to hate this man, but here we are. Well, the complexity and also the fact, and I know this sounds cynical, but I, but I feel some cynicism about it. There is an industry dependent on this being a live issue. The mm-hmm. people who have been fighting to have Roe versus Wade overturned for decades need a continued fight and there will yep. be one. So in yep. states that assure access to legal and safe abortion, the next case will be asking the Supreme Court to say that they can't. This isn't yep. going to be done. Yep. Yep. And so I think the fact like their their framing of like, well, we're just saving the country from this controversy is just so absurd. It's so absurd. And it just tells you like the idea that judges are somehow objective. No, they're just they're human beings. They're who they are. They're bringing their own experiences. Also, we should end life tenure on the Supreme Court just as a bonus. That would be nice. Maybe that's what will come of this. Maybe we, you know, we're anticipating changes in reproductive rights and how that will impact. But I think you're right. I mean, as far as the legitimacy of the Supreme Court, maybe this is the push people need to say this body is not working anymore. This, this part of our government is broken and it needs dramatic change. I mean, we just don't know. We don't know. Well, I think 
When you when you talk about uh, restricting mobility among the states uh, be, as, a, as a potential fallout of this decision, and I think you're right, that that is one thing that will follow this. Uh, and you combine that with COVID and you combine all of that with the war in Ukraine and inflation. Um, I think I knew that the conservatives on the court were waiting for an opportunity to do this. I think what has me feeling especially unmoored is that I have always trusted the court to, in some sense, gauge the temperature of the country and calibrate. (laughs) And, And I can't really imagine a worse time to say, we're just going to, we're just going to trust the democratic process. You know, it's no, I mean, I think there were times on the court where they could do that, but Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas and Brent Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barry and Neil Gorsuch are not there to take care of America. They're there to do what they think is right. Right. There's no care model. <laughs> Give me a break. Like they're not thinking. I think justice Roberts does. I think John Paul Stevens did. I think Souter did, but I don't think they do. I don't, I mean, I think that they feel, I think particularly for Amy Coney Barrett and Neil Gorsuch um, and maybe Samuel Alito, I think they feel a religious responsibility above their responsibility as justices. That's what I think. And that, and, you know, I was going to say two cents, but for like $2 and 50 cents, we'll get you a cup of coffee. (laughs) drip coffee okay it's so best it's our book launch day now what now what yeah it is our book launch. now i buy our book if you haven't already i think it helps i think you will find comfort by reading a book that says when everything feels impossibly hard with the people around us what do we do What I hope, uh, especially today, is helpful about this book is the encouragement to see behind um, the contention, like not to not not to justify it, but to ask the question, like, why does this person feel this way so strongly? What dynamics in our relationship are illuminated through this disagreement? Uh, How can I not only check in with myself on what's motivating me, but how can I really check in with what's motivating other people and find something there for us to work with? Uh, Because I just think we're going to need all of those things to work with. Yeah. If you have pre-order our book, thank you. We are going to put the link to the um, Q&A, how to join on Crowdcast in the show notes uh, for this news brief. We're going to put this in the main feed for everyone to see. Um, and we are so thrilled and excited to be out there in the world and so grateful for your support. We have a new episode today where we sit down with longtime listener, Fred, and he interviews us about the book. It was so fun. We talk a little bit about Waco. So check that out and we'll be back here with you tomorrow. Have the best Tuesday available to you, everybody.